hello to my fellow humans with true crime obsessions. Welcome back to Crime Obsessed Dog Mom. I'm Michelle, the Crime Obsessed Dog Mom, with my co-host, eating a little snack to my right. You might hear him chomping away. The baby dog known as Rory. Today we're going to look at the unsolved murder of Kathy Page, which is set, said to be the inspiration for the award-winning movie Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the wonderful world of podcasting. For some reason, my headphones feel weird on my face today. Um, and Rory's going to have the zoomies. So that's life. So you're going to hear him sneezing and probably barking behind me for a little bit. <laughs> uh, that is just life with this dog. Uh, my husband just left to to travel for work. So he he gets a little bit antsy. But um, once again, it's a little late uh, of an episode, but we we out here doing our best. I'm like hella nauseous right now, um, but I just eat a lot of food all day, literally all day. Um, and if you don't if, if you don't recall, I I think I announced a couple weeks ago that we are pregnant. We are expecting again. We are expecting twins, a boy and a girl. Um, so we're very excited, very scary. We'll be 20 weeks this week, um, which is actually when we had kind of told the world that we had lost the first baby and I'm getting emotional. Um, so it's really hard because if you recall, I lost the baby at 16 weeks, but he had only grown to maybe 13 or 14 weeks. That's what some of the, the scans had said. So he was he had been gone or had stopped growing for at least two weeks. And, um, we had already announced on social media at, at 12 weeks, because right. That's when they tell you that you're safe and you're not, um, you know, I, I know a lot of people that have had miscarriages, missed miscarriages, stillborns, um, you know, infancy, uh, death, uh, babies that have died within days of being born. So I just feel like there's never really a safe moment and it's really hard because, I just feel like I have this secret and I'm obviously I'm putting it out in the world um, to all of you. Um, and I don't really know. I know I have a couple of friends um, that listen um, pretty consistently, which I, I and you know who you are. Um, I know I, I made one of them cry in the Walmart parking lot um, <laughs> last week during the announcement. But it's it's just been really hard because I have people there. I mean, there are influencers and stuff on TikTok that I follow because naturally that's all my algorithm is right now is like all my ads are like diapers and baby clothes because you search like two things on Amazon and you're screwed. Um, and I made a registry and, and everything like that. So it's just been really scary. But like I said, there's like huge influencers on TikTok, like Elise Myers, Megan Trainer, everybody. Um, Megan Trader, she's an influencer, but she was an artist beforehand, but, um, and several others too, that, that uh, their names are eluding me at the moment that I have announced that they're pregnant and they are like weeks to months behind me. And I have friends too, that, um, friends, Facebook friends, so kind of acquaintances in real life that have announced and they're due in September and they're due in October. And that is so scary to me. 
and it's so shitty that it's like that. It's so scary. Every, I mean, this might be a TMI, but I can't go to the bathroom without fear. Um, because that's how I kind of found out last time, um, that I was having a miscarriage and, um, there, I mean, highlights with that have happened, good things that have happened in the last couple of weeks is I have started feeling the babies. Um, mostly, I'm going to mostly assume that it's a boy because most of the feeling is on the side that they are telling me he is on. Um, it's it's very subtle. It's it's not like crazy amounts quite yet. Um, and, and we saw them uh, earlier this week and they were doing good. They're laying on top of each other. Um and, and kicking each other in the face the last time we saw them. And it's, it's been fun, but it's still like, it's just so crappy and it's so scary. Cause I, I want all of those pregnancies to go so well for those people that I've seen announcing, but we still haven't announced really, um, besides just those that are close to us. And, um, it's so hard. <laughs> it's so shitty. Cause I just want to tell everybody, right. It's like such a cool experience. And so many people were so sad for us last time when we lost, when, when we did lose the baby and, and it's even harder because so many people were so excited for us. They were they They were so excited for us. And then to have to a month later, eh, when we announced it was like six weeks later that I had to, you know, I didn't feel like I, I just felt like I had to, I had to put something on social media and just be like, this thing happened. Um, so it's hard, it's scary. And I'm, I don't know, I'm just in a weird spot mentally. Cause I am like really excited, but at the same time, and you can, you can ask anyone like, well, anyone that knows me in person, um, or has met me in person, like, I'll get really, really excited for something and then I stop myself from being excited, especially with like, I'm talking to Gary and we're getting so excited and, um, all of a sudden I'm like, stop, like, stop, don't get so excited. Don't get so excited. It's like stifling myself and it's protecting myself at, at the end of the day. That's what my, my uh, therapist keeps saying is it's just a defense mechanism, um, ultimately to try to shield myself from, the harm and the grief again. Um, so we we're out here, we're doing our best. Um, it's still been really rough, but we do have our anatomy scan this week that we're excited for nervous for, but excited. Um, just because this is kind of the big one. This is the biggest ultrasound I think we'll have. Um, they measure everything and make sure that they're growing well. Um, they, I mean, they look like whole ass babies right, right now, every single time we see them, um, they've had their hands in their face and opening their mouths and it's cool to see, you know, it's, and I always kind of think of like, what do they look like? I, I did something, I don't know if we'll have that ability to have like 40 picture or 3d, is it 40 or 3d? I can't remember 3d, 40, one of them, um, images of them last time they did one um but it was only when we were 12 weeks so they were so little it was just the one the girl at the it was a girl and um it was like actually making gary kind of nauseous um because he just 
just like the way it like presented and stuff it was kind of weird but I honestly don't know um I ended up taking the day off of work because it's just going to be a really really long day and um can't imagine how expensive it's going to be because I've been looking at our bills and stuff it's so expensive to have babies like right now it's like when they charge me for ultrasounds and thank god for insurance but they're charging 288 dollars per child and I was having those this is my fourth one and that was that's not including like any of the lab work or the high risk doctor's charges or the ultrasound tech chart. It's wild. We're out wild out here. We're going to hit that deductible before them babies even get here. <laughs> um, and we pray they continue to grow good and they do get here. So it's, we got, I mean, I bought my first box of diapers. My mom has bought 5,000 million baby clothes. So, you know. <laughs> we have so much stuff and it's so overwhelming, but I know, you know, they're going to be here before we know it and it's good to feel prepared. It's just so scary at the same time. But um, I've now officially almost talked for 10 minutes about myself. So, and that's not what you tune in for. You tune in for crime or me talking, who knows. But today we're going to look at a rather sad case. Um of Kathy Page. So she was a 34 year old, so about the same age as I am, um, in Beaumont, uh, Texas, which is in Southwest, very South, I'm sorry, Southwest, Southeast, very Southeast Texas. She worked at a restaurant um, and she lived um, in Vitter, uh, and that's how Google told me to say it, so, um, with her two daughters um, who were 12 uh, and, and seven at the time of her death. And she was separated from her husband at the time. So in the early dawn, early morning of May 14th, 1991, police discovered a car wreck. Um, there was a woman in the car. She was dead. Uh, her skin, unfortunately, was cool, cool to the touch. Um, and for, for, all, for all intents and purposes, they thought it was just a wreck and tragic accident. Um, but uh, they started to see some stuff, some evidence that just really wasn't adding up that this was an accident. The woman, um, no obvious wounds, um, and the car didn't really have the level of damage that they would assume would result in the death of someone. Um, and if you imagine, you know, you're driving a car, if you have like drinks and stuff in your car and your, uh, cup holders, They'd be spilled if you're in a car accident enough, hard enough that would result in a in a death. But that wasn't the case here. That was the car. All of the drinks and everything, they 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 didn't spill at all. Um, and her feet uh, were pushed back against the seat, um, so they weren't like stretched out towards the pedals, which is if she was driving at the time of her death, they would have been stretched out towards her pedals, right, hitting the brake been out that way um and she wasn't wearing a seatbelt at the time but her but she remained like she was still kind of like reclined back versus like her head being like on the wheel or, or towards the dash so it was pretty obvious all of this evidence kind of led to the police being like something's not right here ray mosley was a detective sergeant for the police department at the time and he said being no damage to the interior of the vehicle and very little damage to the exterior of the vehicle, 
and it was really deep, like in a ditch. Um, in the deepness of the ditch, he said, plain to see that this was a staged incident instead of an accident. At this point, they felt they had probably, uh, this was a questionable death. They did end up discovering that this was Kathy Page, that was a deceased woman in the in the vehicle. Um, they go up to her house, uh, where her home, and it was it was like a hundred yards away. Like this isn't very far away from her home at all. And she goes there, and her husband at the time they were separated, but it was still technically her husband. He answered the door. Um, she they told him that she was dead, um, and he seemed pretty upset. Uh, but the investigator noted that his behavior was odd um, because he was obviously crying and then he would stop and then act as if nothing was wrong. They were speaking uh, when he was talking about Steve, Detective Sergeant uh, Mosley became, he was very suspicious right away stating, he said, well, his wife was not home and directly looked straight down the street towards where the car was. He, Steve seemed to be quite upset. He began to cry and at times threw himself at the couch crying, but yet he would jump right back up and we were, were talking and there would be no signs of tears on his eyes. This seemed strange to me. At the time of her death, Kathy and Steve had been married for 13 years and they had two daughters, like I had mentioned that she lived with, uh, her name is Erin and Monica. Steve claimed that around the time, um, that time, she kind of felt like she no longer wanted to be married to him and they were planning to separate, but he, he stated that they wanted to work things out. From the outside, they seemed kind of like the perfect family, but they had drifted apart, according to Steve. He said, mainly she was uncomfortable with who she was, or at least that she, what she explained to me, that she didn't know who she was. She wanted to try to find out who Kathy was. Because of that, we talked about separating for a short period of time and allowing her to hopefully find herself. Kathy's sister, Sherry, however, did not agree with what he was saying. She was under the impression that the marriage was beyond repair, stating Kathy was definitely moving on in her life at that point because the decision was made for the divorce and that in itself was a relief off of her back. She was making plans for that. The reason that Steve was at Kathy's house, though they were separated, was because Kathy had asked Steve to babysit um, Aaron and Monica, which this is like one thing for me. You don't babysit your own kids. You're just being a dad. You're just watching them. But that's what he said, that they, she was he was babysitting them because she was going to go out with a friend named Charlotte. She allegedly told him that she was going to meet her in Beaumont that night and she left around 11:15 p.m. so pretty late but by 4:15 she was dead when she was found she was not wearing any makeup or jewelry which you would assume if she was going out with a friend that late at night she'd probably have some makeup and jewelry on they did do an autopsy and they determined that she had been strangled which is obviously not going to be something that happens as a result of a car accident she had a broken nose and a black eye. There were blood stains on her underwear and skin, but not on her outer clothes. So authorities believe that she was killed in another location. Then somebody cleaned her up, dressed her, and placed her in her car. 
The autopsy also showed that Kathy had engaged in sexual intercourse shortly before her death. Authorities learned, though, that she had, in fact, not gone to meet Charlotte that night, her friend. She actually went to go meet with a, her boyfriend, a boyfriend in a motel in Char- uh, Beaumont, um, just like 10 minutes from her house. Um, and he did admit right away, yes, they had sex, but he did, and he passed a polygraph uh, exam. But what nobody under, like something that was kind of out of the blue was that whoever had sex that night with that person, unprotected sex, right, um, had had a vasectomy. Her boyfriend had, had not had one, uh, meaning that the sex with the other person that night had had one. Um, and fun fact, if we hadn't all kind of caught along already, Steve was definitely a suspect for all of this. And guess who had a, who had, had a vasectomy a few months earlier? Her husband, Steve. They questioned Steve about having, if he had, had they had had sex. And he admitted, yes, they had sex. And that um, they had it before she went out the night that she was murdered. He said she was getting ready. She had just gone out of the shower. I approached her about sex and we had sex just before she left. But according to Sherry, her sister, there was no romance left in that marriage. And it had been a long time since any kind of romantic physical relationship was there. She stated, I personally don't believe that happened. You wouldn't have been, she wouldn't have been with Steve before being with another man. She hadn't been with Steve in a long time. He had been already sleeping on the couch. So Sherry, her sister, did a lot of investigating. And she ended up learning that Steve's sister-in-law... So, yes, so Steve's sister-in-law, that he had actually um, called two different phone numbers the night that Kathy died. One was Charlotte's, who was the friend that Kathy was supposed to be going out with, and the other was the motel. So Sherry and Kathy's father, James Fullerton, believe that Steve became furious finding out when he found out that these two phone numbers that he had found belonged to Charlotte in a motel, and essentially, he discovered that Kathy lied about what he was do- she was doing that night. James, her, her father, said, I feel like she came in that night, came in the back door after she'd gone and parked the car, and he was asleep, sitting in a chair in the front room when she went to the bathroom, changed clothes, took, took her makeup off, took her jewelry off, all of it off. Then he heard her probably in the bathroom, and he got up and demanded sex with her or whatever, and they got in a fight. Steve claims that he was not responsible for Kathy's death. He believes that everyone is just assuming because he is her estranged husband. He's received threats on the phone stating that the same thing would happen to him. Um, he claims that a member of the prominent Italian family in Beaumont called the Beaumont Mafia was responsible for her death and that the police were framing him. However, Kathy's family thinks this is all bullshit. <laughs> she think they their her family really believes that the police and the district attorney have been covering for Steve, um, and they pretty much let him get away with murder. Um, they noted that when crime scene photos of Kathy were taken, there was no film in the camera, which is that's a huge red flag for me. Like, that's the main part of the camera. Why ain't got no film in it? Like what? That, that that does make that's very that's weird. All right, and it's also reportedly took three years for the police to convince the district attorney to even 
issue a search warrant for the house. What? Three years? Any evidence be gone? Long gone by then. And it's also unfortunate, it's fortunately, it's common knowledge that Steve's parents, they're close with the chief of police in the area. So Kathy's family is very convinced that this is all a cover-up. Um, they, obviously, the authorities are claiming that is not the case. Um, and Steve just thinks that he's always been focused on um, from the beginning for obvious reasons, right? There's a lot of red flags and that they've just refused to investigate other leads. But it sounds like there's only one lead, Steve. <laughs> um, unfortunately, that's all I got. They don't have, this is still unsolved, unsolved mysteries. Um, they, her family did win a wrongful death suit against Steve. Um, and they do consider him, the police do consider him a person of interest. But once again, they haven't found anything to be able to convict him. So like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, they think that this case is the inspiration for the three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which I've seen some of, I can't recall all of it, um, but essentially her father, James, had bought billboards. Um, and they state, um, I believe my daughter was being, was being raped when she was strangled to death in 1991. Uh, the Vitter Police Department would not accept outside help and the case has never been solved. I believe the police do not want this case solved. Will you be the next unsolved murder? So these, he's bought billboards and that's what they say on them. He, he thinks that he spent about $200,000 on billboards over the years, but unfortunately there hasn't made any headway in the case. Um, the police department has done nothing um, and they're not planning to do anything. He called, he told the daily express and Essentially, he just sees this, the billboards as a way to express his grief and his anger. As of June 2021, the reward um, has gone up to $50,000 through Crime Stoppers of Southeast Texas, and it is currently the largest reward being offered, ever offered, by Crime Stoppers in the area. I'm not going to say that he did it, but... When all the, all the shoe fits, you know, the shoe fits. I think the shoe fits. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. If the shoe fits, the shoe fits. You know what I'm saying? So, very sad. Um, very tragic. Poor girls, you know, have essentially grown up without, the, have grown up without their mom in the weirdest, weirdest accident. Lots of red flags in this case. And all of them kind of point to one particular person. Steve. So that's all I have. Unfortunately, I wish I had more for you. Um, I appreciate you all tuning in. Uh, please check me out. Um, continue all the support. I, I always appreciate it. Once again, um, you can follow me on pretty much any social media, Crime Obsessed Dog Mom podcast. You should be able to find me. Um, if you have any questions, any any suggestions? I know I've had a couple people reach out with suggestions, but they're really big cases and I would have to do like a lot of research. So that's something I got to do a little bit more investment or a little bit more time in for, I think it's a Springfield three, a friend suggested. 
So that is a big case. Um, I know that I've listened to a lot of other podcasts cover it. And it's just one of those things, like, when I hear other podcasts cover things, it's hard because they do such a good job and I don't want to be so inferior to them. So I'll see what I can do. But it's a very good case. I've watched uh, a couple of different documentaries around it. So that might be something I, I look into for sure. Um, but I, once again, I appreciate you all tuning in. Um, continue to be kind to your animals. Love on your people. Love on those uh, Love on those animals. Keep your positive vibes, blessings, and hopes coming my way. I'll keep having them go your way. And I will holla at you in two weeks. Bye.